Hey, Dan, how are you doing today? Great, thanks, John. How are you? Good. Welcome to the International Schools Podcast. Uh, good to be here. Dan, how have you been? Busy, I take it. Yeah, very, very busy indeed. Um, <clears throat> coming to the end of the year, you know, um, I'm in Prague, back at home. It's snow. I'm, I actually live outside Prague. There's a lot of snow on the ground here where I live. So um, it's, it's been good, been building snowman. And you're still in <laughs> Switzerland where you have no snow, I believe? We have snow in the mountains and we have freezing cold down where I'm at and rain. So it's, it's right. uh, you know, a good winter. You know how it goes that way. Then exactly. one thing that you do and that over the years, you've worked with a lot of digital learning coaches because you actually have people that are digital learning coaches that do apps events for you. And you've had a lot of experience working with people. Uh, you Your trainees often are in schools, correct, Dan? Yeah, I mean... Exactly. I mean, we don't run as many Google summits as we used to, but in the old days, I mean, we still do, we still do PD every month, but yeah, we've worked with a lot of, of digital coaches and, you know, and we'll talk about it. Some people whose role maybe overlapped into coaching, but wasn't actually called a coach. But yeah, definitely. I'd say that they're the, probably the biggest number of people we've collaborated with over the years. And today we're really lucky to have uh, members of this great organization called the International Schools Coaching Collaborative. And uh, Jordan, who is based at the International School of Luxembourg, kind of created this and he's developed a community. And he, uh, there's Amy from the International School of Prague, Dave from the American School of Warsaw, and Reina from the American School of, oh, sorry, Reina and American School of Warsaw, Dave, the American School of Budapest. Sorry, getting those all mixed up, my apologies. And we're just really excited to have them because I think the word coaching and digital coaching, integrationist, there are all these labels that float around. And I know many schools are exploring, even getting rid of the word digital and calling them learning coaches, instructional coaches, and navigating through these terms and what these roles and responsibilities can be really kind of sometimes complicated. And schools have different philosophies and different approaches. But today with our four guests, we're hoping to kind of unpack that a bit and really understand what that means. And Dan, ha having had a lot of experience working with different people in that sphere, it'll be good to also see those connections and how he's uh, leveraged those skill sets in the different uh, professional development uh, events he's done. But I really want to start off with Jordan. And Jordan, uh, you started this International Schools Coaching Collaborative. Maybe just tell us, how did this happen? Why and who are you guys? Thanks, John and Dan, for having us here. Um, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to hop on a podcast and talk about coaching. I, I wouldn't call myself the brains of this. I'm joined by three people who I think add quite a bit of brain power to the group. So, um, it, you know, it started from the idea, I think as coaches, we're often service oriented. And the PD that we do, the collaboration we do is often in service to, and it should be in service to student lead, uh, learning, to teachers, to professional development at our schools. Um, but often to our detriment as well, we can frequently forget to work on what are the structures that we're finding success in, and then how do we scale the structures of success that coaches have? We often scale the structures of success that teachers have. But how do we scale what we're learning about coaching? And the three people I'm joined with today and myself have all been in multiple regions around the world and have a breadth of knowledge on what coaching can be and the models that we're exploring. So I had really hoped that this group would 
serve coaches that would bring together specifically international school coaches in multiples of roles to grow our practice, to share the best practices that we're learning across multiple regions, and maybe perhaps start to even form a international school identity around what coaching is. Jordan, could I ask just to set the stage, like, can you define, um, like, what, what is a tech coach? Like, what is the typical tech coach? What are the variations? Because, I mean, even though it seems to us like it's, it's something that everybody knows, like, there's a, a lot of international schools don't have any tech coaches. They don't even know what that role is, you know? I mean, if you look at your traditional tier one schools, like the schools you all work for, it's a very common role. But smaller international schools, some poor profit ones, it, it isn't. So it could be, might be a good place to, to kick it off. I think coaching comes from uh, the research that talks about how job embedded professional development is often more sticky and more successful than sending your teachers out on professional development. When a teacher can learn and then plan with somebody and then have follow up and feedback and grow their practice, it's more likely to be embedded in what they actually do on a day to day. And so I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that the idea of a tech integrationist and the uh, tech coach comes from the 90s and early 2000s of that need around technology being the professional learning that was most important at that time. Yeah. And so hence using that and leveraging job embedded professional development, out is born the tech integrator, the tech coach. And it seems like a job that's very common in, in US, in US, even in public school districts. And stuff. I presume that's where it came from. I think that might be where the momentum started for sure, but it's it's hard for me to pin it down. Yeah. So one of the things that I think when you are in this role, and th there are many different names, but the idea of coaching is, you know, Reina, talk about what are some of the learnings that with this role that you've kind of discovered throughout your professional career? Because many of you have started as educators, maybe not as a digital learning coach or an instructional coach or a learning coach. But what are some of the learnings that maybe you think would be important for others to be mindful of? Mm, great question. Uh, well, I, I actually did start out uh, in a, as a classroom teacher in an elementary. Uh, I always had a, a passion and real drive to embed technology in effective ways, especially as it enhances learning and had the opportunity to move into a coaching role from there. Um, although the, the program wasn't established, and so you do a lot of learning and figuring out along the way of how to make it your own and how to make it meaningful in the context. Um, and I think the things that have surfaced in, in later years of, of doing that role are just how connected everything is with teaching and learning itself. So as Jordan said, I think being able to embed it within a context and finding ways to leverage technology, but for learning outcomes is really at the heart of what we do in international schools when we think of coaching. Um, I think we still have a long way to go to come to a common understanding about what coaching is and what's possible um, within a school. But I think, um, I think, Having the opportunity to connect with a, a strong PLN, um, getting lots of rich resources handed your way via those people, um, and and putting yourself in the learner role a lot of the time helps move that forward a lot. A lot of dialogue with your leadership team, 
um, and a lot of just trial and error and finding your successes and highlighting those and trying to build from there. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, just to, to add on to what to what Raina said, I think personally I've developed a much broader um, idea of innovation in general, and especially coming from that, I, I was a started off as a ICT computer science teacher, then kind of evolving into a coaching role, you uh, developed a deeper understanding of how technology can amplify learning in all its forms, and that innovations in teaching and learning are sometimes things that don't involve the use of technology, but can be can be non-digital. Amy? Yeah, this is such a great conversation. I think thinking about my transition from being an art teacher early on with great tech coaches that I worked with, a shout out to Kevin and Maggie. Um, I think that some of the biggest learning I've had stepping into the role of a coach is just that of a facilitator and like the importance of listening. Um, but also just building capacity in, in every person. So whether that's a student in the classroom or the teacher, like meeting them where they are is essential. And the best way to do that is to really listen and to partner with them. Um, so I think that that idea of facilitating learning that fits everyone in the room, I think we've all been to sessions where <laughs> you're in the room and you're like, wait, this actually doesn't apply to me, does it? Um, it's, it's so disheartening and disappointing. Um, but I think that as a coach, really thinking about every person in the room and thinking about how you design professional learning that meets um, each person where they are is something that I've certainly been trying to build um, skill sets around and I think really is an important role for, for coaches to play. I mean, it's just so multifaceted, your roles. That's what's so interesting. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and I love, Dave, that you talked about the fact that maybe you don't need to use technology. And I think sometimes we think of digital coaches or coaches very tech-centric, but there's a whole movement of instructional coaching and there are other mm -hmm. ways of coaching. I'm wondering is if, and I'm happy, Jordan, maybe you can help us with this. Do you think people think of coaching as more a technology-focused thing, or do they understand it's more a pedagogic thing? And what's the, you know, it's kind of this gray area. How do you balance that as a coach? You know, people are like, well, fix my Google Chrome issue. Or you're saying, well, listen, let's look at, you know, you have a neurodiverse classroom. Here's some different strategies to approach this unit. Yeah, I I think at least from my experience now in multiple regions that it's actually a, a journey that schools are on how what is the purpose of coaching so if a school has only had digital learning coaches and technology coaches then yes they're, they're they might see the technologist or the the coach as the person who can be consultative rather than facilitative that they can fix something that they can give advice um, because that's what they were positioned for and that's how they've been used. But there are other models where they actually have more learning coaches and more instructional coaches and more curriculum and content coaches um, and less technology coaches. In fact, I've seen places where there are no technology coaches. Instead, all coaches are expected to have a level of technology competence and service to pedagogy. Um, in those models, I think people do see the coach as somebody that they design teaching and learning with, not uh, something somebody that consults and fixes something for them. Yeah, and I think that that's interesting because I think so often there is the uh, idea of you're Mr. Fix-It person. And actually that, you know, nowadays with how-tos and even AI, those things can be solved much quicker and it might be better 
uh, spent time you doing as you're describing that kind of, you know, coaching, unpacking, exploring, engaging in that collaborative process. Amy, you just shared uh, some uh, links there about, you know, transforming the role of an ed tech coach. What are some of your thoughts on that? And then I'd yeah, love to hear yeah. other. The question just resonates, I think, with all of us because we've all experienced it. And I think having worked in multiple schools, the definition has been different even in each school and even from the time we've arrived at that school to the time we left that school. So I'm excited to see schools that are thinking more progressively about technology coaching as instructional coaching and thinking about student learning at the core. As Jordan started out, we're all in service to student learning. Um, and I think it feels like a slightly more traditional route to, to box that into simply helping with um, technical um, needs in the classroom, but really just thinking about what does deep authentic integration look like and how does it really get leveraged to enhance learning? So yeah, it's definitely shifted from like ICT specialist and tech integrationist and design coach. There's lots of different names um, for the role. So do you think this is dependent on the skills, the digital literacy skills of the faculty, the success of a coach, or is it the coach that generates that success through their coaching and kind of puts themselves out of a job? I'm opening the floor to whoever wants to answer that. Well, for me, it's, it's not it's not an either or, and I think I'll echo what Jordan and Amy have shared. Uh, we have really seen sort of a move into more learning or instructional coaching from tech coaching uh, because the competency of everybody has grown so much in the mm -hmm. last few years. So, um, yeah, there there is sort of a baseline expectation of being technologically savvy um, and integrating it into the teaching and learning practices in the classroom. And so I really, I've really enjoyed the move towards broadening the role and finding those connections between uh, pedagogy, instructional practices, uh, and designing quality learning and assessments. Dan, what have you observed? Because you're working with a lot of people that come from these backgrounds and then are kind of, you know, doing the professional development for the Google Educator Level 1 and 2. You have a lot of digital coaches helping out with that. Does this yeah, resonate? I mean, yeah, I guess most of the people I've worked with are definitely on the tech side, you know, like the traditional role. Um, also, I mean, it seems a lot of people do this role uh, part-time. You know, they also have a teaching, so many hours teaching. And I'm curious... Um, that's probably a good question to ask is like, is this something you can do part-time? And if let's say someone listening to this is wanting to get into tech coaching, maybe they're a teacher or maybe they're doing something different and this is like a, a route they want to go down. How would they look to move into that? And, and, and like, and is it something you would typically start off part-time or would you go straight into full-time? A few things there. Dave, you want to start off? Sure. I think that very much, I mean, Jordan alluded earlier to this idea of where your, your school is and it's on its journey. And I think that idea of you know, moving into something part-time or full-time really relates to the context. So what's your school's vision around technology and innovation? What's the school's vision around coaching and how it can enhance teaching and learning? And where are you on that journey? Maybe you're a few years down the line and it's a bit more firmly embedded in your practice and, and you do need a, a full-time coach because it's across a whole division. Maybe it's something that you're just 
you're kind of in the, the starting point of your journey and it's something more like a pilot that you're traveling in, in one particular section of the school and that might be the entry point for something part-time. I mean, Dan, when, I, when we first met um, in Thailand, oh gosh, well over 10 or 11 years ago, I was working in the, in the middle of high school um, as an ICT computer science teacher, but I also had just started working with some teachers in the elementary school as they were transitioning from a more traditional computer lab environment to a more integrated use of technology. And so that was my first entry point, um, yeah. a kind of a shift in the strategic visioning of the school towards something a bit more progressive and innovative. And so that's, that's just from my own experience. Jordan and then Reina. Oh, sorry. sorry, Dan, go ahead. No, no, uh, no, carry on, John. Jordan and yeah, I I would love to you know flip it. Would you ever think of having a, a part time administrator, right? A half time administrator and a half time teacher. And the reason I bring that up is I see all three roles as having completely different skill sets. My role as a coach, I facilitate adult learning in service to student learning outcomes. And so when a teacher is planning a lesson, um, a coach on the other hand is planning a upcoming coaching conversation that I'm going to have, I'm doing research for a teacher, or I am putting together coaching offerings for people. When teachers are in collaborative meetings, um, I'm perhaps have in one of those coaching conversations, or I'm with an administrator having a coaching conversation and leveraging strategy with them. And so our role is different. And so I would challenge people to say, it's not an add-on, it's not that anybody can do it. It's a different skill set that the four people on this call have had to develop over time to get really good at it because we are facilitating adult learning instead of uh, student learning. Um, we are heavy into the research, right? So we spend a lot of our time in that. We think about things like meeting design and workshop design instead of lesson design, right? So it's a different skill set. And so I still think the best way to go, if possible, is you hire full-time coaches who that's their full-time job and they are embedded in the work of coaching and not necessarily given tasks that are specifically classroom related. We want them invested in your strategic goals as a school. I, I would agree with you, Jordan, but I think also that like you work for a very you work for a very well-funded school where you know like one yes. of the best international schools in Europe. You've got a lot of money. There's money, you know. Whereas I think a lot of schools don't have. I mean, I know schools don't have an IT manager. Maybe the the the, the principal does does it himself, you know. And they definitely don't have tech coaches. So I I think wouldn't you think that like part time is better than nothing? If someone was a teacher doing this part time. I 100% agree with you, Dan. I've, I have worked with, uh, fortunately, at some quite large schools, and so who can afford multiple full-time coaches. Uh, so I guess I'm more speaking from the frame of if if the funding and personnel and faculty size allows, it, it makes sense to go full-time, but you're absolutely right. If you can have one person, 40% invested in job-embedded professional development for your staff, supporting your strategic goals and student learning, that is absolutely better than none. Reina and Amy, you wanted to add too. Yeah, I, I think just echoing the, the idea that you're really anchored to the context and the goals of the school. For example, here uh, at AS Warsaw, we've actually moved away from having specific uh, tech coaches, a literacy coach and a data coach to now expanding our repertoire and being K to 12 learning coaches. And then among us, um, balancing out those strengths and skill sets and using a project management approach to who is best suited to take on some of the projects that come our way, either with data retreats 
or uh, balanced literacy literacy initiatives in the lower school right now, um, so that we are we're really playing to each other's strengths, but we're able to um, ground our work in the strategic priorities and actions of our school, which were quite different from my last school who had innovation as one of their strategic areas and really justified me being in an innovation and digital learning coach role over a learning coach currently here. So I, I think, yeah, it's highly contextual and, um, as Jordan said, I mean, we've spent years sort of developing our toolbox for coaching conversations and designing learning for adults and living in this middle bubble where we can coach directionally and have great conversations with leadership to try to inform them of things that we're seeing in the classroom and vice versa, really acting as an advocate for the school goals when we're working with teachers. And so I think yeah, sitting in that middle band is it's quite challenging, but um, that's where the power is to to make change. I think. Thank you, and I just I think it's so interesting that your schools gravitated to the idea of a learning coach, and then you have three people that tap in, and you're using this project management kind of structure and workflow to decide who might step in and who might not, and. I think that's really very organic, and I love that idea. Definitely something that I'm sure uh, listeners might really like to hear more about, uh, Reina. Amy, and then Dave. Yeah, I was just going to respond to the part Jordan was talking about, too, and that initial question of, like, would you want a half-time coach or could you do it part-time? And I think, again, it kind of goes back to that, how much of the focus do you want to be on this work, um, and what's the clarity in the role? And I think we did an activity in my last school with the coaching team where we actually kind of um, calendared out and looked at the data of how we spent our time. And even though we were all on full-time coaching roles, um, the daily allotment of our time really looked different and varied quite dramatically. And so I think um, that prompted us to really clarify our vision for what a coach is and should be at our school. And I think that's a really important step. And so obviously there's schools with financial situations where they can't afford it, but coaching is building. So it kind of feels like one of those roles that schools kind of feel like, oh, how can I get part of my FTE to, to have this role? Because it's kind of appealing, you know, to work with a coach or to have a coach on your staff. But if you don't clarify what that role is going to look like, I think you're inviting a lot of um, kind of gray area and a lot of uncertainty into that situation. And that's where I think the variety of ways a coach looks starts to um, appear because you've you've got someone who's actually in a split role and then there's not certainty on are they coaching right now or are they teaching right now? And so I think just clarifying what that role is, especially if you're considering like a part-time coaching role is essential to make sure that we're not muddying down what coaching is, but we're also, like Raina said, harnessing the power of like the true purpose and intent of instructional coaching. And I think your point's so important, this idea of having this gray zone where it's not clear and being really intentional and purposeful about defining what is your purpose, why are you here, I think is so important. And I think often that's the challenge and the frustration that many educators that are in these roles or navigating in this kind of sphere come out of, and they're just like frustrated because that clarity is not there. Dave. Yeah, I totally agree um, with what Amy was mentioning regarding clarity. And I think we've touched upon budgets and schools kind of visions. 
And those were, those often change not just from school to school or region to region, but often a school's budget and its and its vision changes. You know, we have these strategic plan cycles. And I think clarity around the role is important. And I also think that clarity around the idea of coaching as a concept is also really important because then mm -hmm. you're you're starting to land on what's the sustainable thread that will carry us through changes in budgets, changes in our strategic plans. And also recognizing that there's a there's appointing a coach and there's building a culture of coaching and they're two connected but distinct things and I feel like the latter probably carries more mileage. And I think it's so important you bringing that up. You don't want to be the flavor of the month because some principle or some short term strategic plan is oh everybody's having coaches let's get a bunch of coaches and then somebody comes in and says yeah I'm not really into the coaching thing let's go back so i i think your point's so important and also having the the vision and yeah i i just think that really resonates you know do you think most and and i'm going to be Dan's usually more provocative than I am, but I'm going to do it. Well, I question. haven't got going yet, John. I've got, a few, I've got a few more to come. Okay, good. Okay, <laughs> just checking. You've been quiet. Uh, do you think that the frustration and the lack of success of coaching generally, and I'm over over generalizing, is due to lack of vision by administrators and leadership teams not understanding what coaching is about? And Jordan, I'm going to go over to you, and then we'll go back, and I'm sure Dan will want to add. Yeah, there's a there's a great chapter in Joel and Killian's book, Coaching Matters, that talks about the mixed return, um, return of investment on on coaching. Yeah. And so, but what are the secrets to the studies where it was successful? And what it comes down to is a hyper focus on what we're trying to do to improve student learning outcomes. Coaching absolutely improves instructional moves that happen in the classroom. That's actually not debatable. We know that when we put a coach in the school, that um, if they're doing their job correctly, that we will see teachers' instructional practices change. The question though, of course, is does that lead to a difference in student learning outcomes? And that's where the mix comes in. So if we derive those strategies that coaches are working on with teachers, with the explicit goal of student learning, and if our strategic focus that we've attached our coaches to has that explicit goal of student learning outcomes, and we have a defined, clear way that our coaches lead to that and measure their impact and understand through, you know, whether it's uh, through reiteration what works, then we can be successful as coaches in moving the needle in student learning. Dave, what do you think? Thank you, Jordan. And I think that's a nice way to encapsulate some of the, the what I call the magic sauce, which is kind of crass. But this, I think those things that you highlighted are really important learnings for people that are maybe beginning this journey or thinking. And, you know, nothing's better than good research. Dave? Yeah, I think just asking that question, you know, I'm, if we kind of think of the, the mirror image of, a teacher with, with their cohort of students, how do we know what we're doing is having an impact on student learning? We can ask the same question and administrators have been for many years, how might I know that appointing this person is going to have the impact on student learning? We all hope to see, because we want to get that juice for the squeeze, right? The The clock hasn't changed, but yet we, we keep adding things to the school day. And so I think just when we think about that, the idea of engaging colleagues in coaching cycles, that are intentionally targeted at 
um, an element of student learning, whether it's through setting a SMART goal, but getting very clear on what is it that, what are the gains we hope to see in student learning? How is this partnership aimed at, at moving the needle forward there? Making sure that we're collecting some baseline data and reflecting upon the, the data that we're collecting along, along the way and afterwards. And that, so we're not just crossing our fingers and hoping that this is this is going to impact student learning. We're actually we're actually reflecting on the data, and I think that we live in a kind of a, this you know this especially in international schools now this data fueled environment where data is is, is now the, the next big word after innovation. And you know, I, I, something I've been wondering about recently is how um, this increasing amount of data that we're collecting in schools may actually amplify the role of a coach and how, and, and enable us to better figure out where coaching is having the impact that that we hope it would and how we can kind of um, pivot and, and, and jump on that. Thank you for those insights. That's great. Amy. Yeah, I was just thinking about as coaches, we're leaders in our schools and that can be formal and informal, but I think any leader, when they feel empowered, they can really make magic happen. And so I was just thinking about, um, back to your original question, back to that, um, that idea that Jordan shared too about the return on, on coaching and what really makes it work. I can just personally attest to the fact that 100% when your leadership team is unified in their vision of what coaching is, your coaches will feel empowered and you will be successful. Um, and so I think that you could extrapolate that the reverse would be true as well is that if the vision is not unified, um, then your coaches may not feel empowered um, and they may not be as successful. Um, but I've definitely experienced when leadership is aligned and supporting coaching and moving that forward, it just removes so many barriers that really don't need to be there, um, but depend on the school's vision entirely. And that alignment by the leadership team becomes an important point of reference for the rest of the staff that are, you know, maybe doubting or questioning or trying to unpack what that means. But if there's that clear a vision by your leadership team, then it's quite clear that it's explicit. So I think yeah. that's just so well put, Amy. Jordan, you wanted to add. Well, I just yeah, say, I, sorry. Ahead, I was Amy. just going to say too, sometimes as a coach, we fall between different administrators. And so yeah. quite often you'll be in a divisional administrator and a school-wide and maybe a tech director. And so that alignment is like sometimes one leader has experience with coaching and has a very strong vision, but if they're not all on the same page, it can cause a lot of back and forth and confusion. And so that kind of alignment is important, I think, when roles like ours cross um, different divisions or sections in the school. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, not at all. I just wanted, important. sorry, I just wanted to add just a, a, there are times when student learning outcome data is actually um, maybe not our focus. We might actually have programmatic data be our focus. Like we want to implement a program or we want to uh, see inclusion in a program. So while we might broadly categorize that under student learning data, maybe isn't the traditional learning outcomes that we're thinking of, like improved metrics here or there. Mm -hmm. So there are times that uh, the way that we should measure coaching is, did, were we able to develop a robust and then fill in the blank at that port through the support of adult professional development that a coach can support? Yeah, great point, John. John, John I've got a question for you, actually. Um, it's something Amy was said that I was what was interesting about how coaches can quite often fall under different administrations. I mean, I've seen all kinds of things, coaches being part of the IT department, coaches like reporting to the tech director, coaches purely being part of teaching and learning, like 
combination, some in one, some in the other. I mean, you've run a lot of IT departments. What what are the what are the types you've seen, and what do you what's worked best in your opinion? Is it better when they're they're under a visionary like yourself, or they're part of teaching and learning? Or what what do you think? I think it it really is whoever is supervising and supporting coaches. They're very clear on their vision, and they've really shared that with the coaching team. If it's an IT director or a teaching and learning person, I think also in my experience, I feel very fortunate. I've always worked very closely with a teaching and learning director of innovation or curriculum, and so it's always I've never felt it like you know it's us versus them. We've really worked together. Maybe because of protocol or just like administration, it's easier for me to do the supervision and professional growth, but that doesn't mean I exclude them. And I feel that I've only been successful with my digital learning coaches that I've had the really privilege to work with is because the person in charge of teaching and learning and I have worked very closely together. And when we're sitting on the leadership team, there are two voices speaking about coaching and the importance. In my experience, in the schools that I've been, that's where I've been successful is in that collaborative common vision by the director of teaching and learning that, and then the principals. But I find that person is really important in the mix. And sometimes I've been in situations where they're supporting the coaches on the professional growth and the supervision, but they really want me to be involved and supporting them. So it's kind of one or the other, but you have to be aligned together at least especially if the rest of the leadership team is a little kind of on the on the fence about this. So you have two clear voices that are really focused on that as the curriculum and the student outcomes. Yeah, definitely. And I think like, especially, you know, with like with the tech direct, especially the, the schools like your work for, they're setting the vision of, of, of what the technology plan is. And, and obviously, you know, I think they need to be aligned with the coaches because, you know, if they, we're going all in on Google. We're going all, all these different things. There's a lot of very specific tech, coaching that needs to take place for, for the for the technologies which you know so yeah good points john i don't know anyone else got have... a point and comment on that i was just going to jump in and i would i would just say yes the the partnership between our director of teaching and learning and our tech director is integral to the success of our program and they actually they both um they oversee half and half of the coaches and they work very closely together to support the building and development and iteration of this new model. Um, and it came from, I think maybe budgetary uh, ideas when it was like, okay, well, we have these designated coaches set aside under the IT director and we want to maintain those positions, but we also have, we have a data coach and we have a literacy coach that we'd also like to form a larger coaching team to have that wider impact. And so we are sort of duly supervised, but the two of them are very aligned. And I think that speaks to the traction that we're gaining in, in moving ahead with that. Yeah. I think that's very common, like kind of almost two reports, like a dotted line to, to a teaching, learning, innovation and and technology. I've seen that a lot. Any others would like to jump in on this kind of idea of the relationship and the supervision? Because I think that's an important one, especially for school leaders that listen to us that might be, you know, grappling with that. Jordan, do you want to share something? And then maybe Amy and Dave. Yeah, I think the partnership between coaches and others is, is, and I don't want to say just leadership, because also partnership between 
um, coaches and your academic leaders, your department heads, coaches, and people who have decided to take a leadership role on an initiative or are trying something new in their classroom. Like partnership principles are at the core of what coaching is. And it's a shame if an administrator doesn't leverage that partnership approach, which is, again, I think another core skill of, of coaching is partnership. So the most successful partnerships I've had is in one of, again, recognizing that we are two people with the same goal, uh, but using a different set of strategies to accomplish the same goal. So often, you know, I can be in closed door conversations with an administrator where we are sharing vulnerably what's um, happening at the water cooler, what's happening in the classrooms, because a coach might have a little bit more of a foot in the door in those scenarios and can support an administrator in change management and vice versa, a principal can support uh, a coach with giving them their ear, giving them their time so that they can use their positional authority and they can balance that, that balance between re relational and positional authority can really blossom when there's a strong coach principal partnership and leveraging both, I think, is the key to a very successful program. Yeah, and I can agree with you, Mo. And I like the way also you highlighted not only the director of teaching and learning, but also the heads of department, maybe great team leaders, that middle management, those middle leaders also, that partnership is so important. Thank you for bringing that up, Jordan. I think that's an important group of people also that need to be part of that narrative and that shared understanding. Uh, Dave and then Amy. Yeah, I just um, when you mentioned the, the roles there, it just made me think about how we've been talking about this idea of visioning coaching programs. And I think a really integral part of that is identifying the roles of the different stakeholders in any kind of coaching culture at a school. So what is the roles of um, principals? What is the role of the coach? What's the role of teachers? What's the role of your uh, directors of technology and innovation? And getting clear on that piece also in the beginning. I think sets um, sets everyone up for success. And John, you mentioned supervision there earlier, and I think you know we've been talking about how international schools have struggled or maybe grappled with this idea of building successful coaching programs. And I think if you were to ask any administrator in an international school, hey, what does your professional growth model look like? They'd probably be able to you know hand you a document that clearly outlines what those kind of appraisal conversations are like, how that then filters into goal setting and review. But if you were to ask them what that looks like for coaches, they, they might probably struggle. And so I think that's just kind of reflective of where we still are at this really kind of challenging point in terms of developing coaching programs in international schools. But I feel like there's, um, there's a lot of positive things happening. Some schools are doing great work around um, having more clearly articulated professional growth for coaches in their schools. And so, yeah, it's great to see these things flourishing. And I think your point is an important one, because if you think of a lot of teaching and supervision courses, graduate courses, it's always about the teacher. And, you know, as you say, there is a nuance to being a coach and that supervision might look different. And I remember coming to schools and basically I'm getting the appraisal infrastructure or structure for a teacher. And I'm thinking this person doesn't do any of this, you know, and so having to go and redo that. And I know ISTE has created some documents and the digital promise. There are many more organizations taking on that, but I think your point is really important. So often there's not that point of reference in the supervision models that often uh, leadership team members are tapping into uh, that are more commonly maybe shared in those graduate programs and teacher uh, programs. Amy. 
Yeah, I think one other little important kind of disclaimer to put with it, or not even disclaimer, it should be front and center, is that coaching is non-evaluative. And I think that that sometimes can start to become, a, again, a blurry gray area the other direction between coaches and administrators when there's um, such close partnership for teachers. Sometimes if that's not very clear that a coach's role is not evaluative, then that can also cause um, some problems as well. So I think that goes with clarity of role, clarity of vision of coaching, but distinction, as Dave's saying, <laughs> the role of each person in this organization. And I think that's a really important one to make is that instructional coaches are not here to evaluate teachers. <laughs> We're here to build capacity and support teachers. Um, and so I think that's important. But also, I was just reflecting on how this can take time, because you said as um, school leaders might be listening to this podcast and thinking about what this looks like in their context, I I'm just thinking back to when I started new at a school with a principal who was also new that year, but had a really strong vision for coaching. And we quickly realized that we needed to meet pretty regularly to understand each other and to kind of be in tandem and in step. And because the work that we do as coaches supports, as Reina and others have mentioned too, the strategic work of the school, you've got to really kind of know and understand your administrators as well and, and how necessary it was to build that rapport and that partnership between myself as a coach and my direct administrator supervisor. Um, and then as time went, I realized that we were pretty in lockstep in our thinking and we knew each other well enough that the meetings weren't as frequent because they weren't as required, but how essential that was initially to just build that partnership and that understanding together. Thank you for highlighting that because I think so often you have different perceptions of what coaching is and you think you're on the same page and then you sit down and unpack and you're like, whoa, we are on different pages here and trying to find that commonality. Dave. Yeah, just to add on to what Amy was talking about with regards to that, that clarity around um, you know, what, what coaching is. I, I, um, we sometimes as coaches, when we get warm feedback, we get that warm, fuzzy feeling. And, and it happens sometimes, I mean, not as often as we'd like, but I got a, a nice piece of feedback recently and someone said to me, Dave, you know, something I really appreciate about your facilitation of meetings is that you outline what the aims of the meeting are and also what the aims of the meeting are not. And this made me think about that idea of when you're kind of defining that vision of what coaching brings to a school, actually highlighting what coaching is not is a big part of that. I like that. That was one of our most successful ways to introduce coaching at my last school. Actually, we did a big faculty, um, like during a faculty meeting, we had a bunch of scenarios on cards and we had tables just read through them and talk about it. Like, do you think this is the role the coach would play in our school or do you think this would be better suited for someone else? And some of them were very IT driven things. Some of them were more administrative things. Some of them were more um, classroom things. And so it was, there actually wasn't like definitive right and wrong. So we probably could have pushed it a little further with that. But just the conversation of having people reflect on like, am I looking at the role of the coach in the right way? I think that's a, a good point, Dave, what it is and what it isn't. Great. John, I, I have a question. I'm, I'm curious, obviously, um, like via tech coaches, that's not the only way that teacher training and teacher coaching takes place. I mean, I, I know the Google world. That's, that's kind of what I know. And obviously, Google has some certifications. They've got certified trainer and certified coach. I've, I've, I've done the both. And a lot of people do these certifications who are not coaches. They might be leadership. They might be teachers, all, all, all kinds of role, like librarians, PE teachers. I've seen every, everybody who's done this. Often they will get involved in, in um, you know, training staff or want to get involved in training staff. And I've kind of seen this go different ways. I've seen some coaches kind of embrace them and bring them in. 
I've seen some actually at one of your schools, although this was long before any of you, they were basically told and they wanted to start training teachers on using Google and they were told in no uncertain terms, that's our job. Stay away from <laughs> it, you know? And so um, I, I, won't, I won't throw anyone under the bus there, but I, again, long before any of you were. Thank uh, you, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's interesting. Like, what, how do you all think? Like, what's the role for, you know, fanboys and fangirls? Google, Google is the, the world I know. There's a lot of super Google enthusiasts. They want to get the word out to teachers. Like, what's the role for them? within the coaching framework at your school? Reina? We, uh, we're really pushing to maintain some of the tech fun things that we've had as yeah. a tradition here. So we do an annual, what we call date night with your Mac. And it is sort of a tech infused teachers, teaching teachers, very social. Um, it's after hours on a Friday. So, um, and so we, we had discussions about whether to rebrand it to make it less tech focused. And, and we decided, no, I mean, there's, there's some value to keeping the traditions alive of really talking about leveraging technology for teaching and learning. And we're not limiting it to that, but we, we find that is something that we want to hold on to. Um, on the other side of it, we have advocated for really being part of the planning processes for our Late Start Wednesdays that are sometimes dedicated to teacher professional development. We have worked very closely with all of the administrators in planning the actual professional development days that are set aside, taking part in the orientation of new new faculty orientation and returning staff. So I think, um, you know, anytime that you can distribute work like that with a, a group of really passionate and professional facilitators, you're always going to get a way better outcome for teachers that is differentiated and grounded in, in those strategic areas and offer something a little, a little different for people. So we're, we're very involved in that partnership. Amy. I think there's also just, we've probably all been there where there's like the little tech tips, <laughs> like however you can send it out in like newsletters or communications. Um, you know, for example, we've launched a new, we're using Toddle now at our school and there's so many like just in time tech tips that you can give people that they'll really appreciate. And it doesn't take very long to find or organize that. So I think there's always going to be room for that because people are learning. But the other um, way I was thinking of this was, was with new teachers. A lot of onboarding of new staff is kind of understanding where their comfort levels are, what their experiences are, and whether they can figure out your ecosystem of, of digital softwares and platforms and apps. And so I think as a coach, um, you know, I've surveyed incoming staff and, you know, where where are you on this scale? And I've learned, oh, this person has never touched an iPad before. We're going <laughs> to we're going to sit down and chat a little bit when they get here. Oh, this person has led sessions on this topic. I'm going to leverage them in a teacher's teaching teacher session um, to be an expert in our community. And so I think that coaching gives us the platform to be able to connect those dots and see those pieces that are kind of needed and necessary, but hopefully isn't the entire focus of, of like our coaching role. And I think there's something uh, quite powerful about if you're the coach always delivering the, the learning and the professional growth, that if you have a teacher from the classroom that does it, sometimes the message goes further because they'll be like, mm -hmm. oh, Amy yeah. again, oh, Dave again, oh, Rihanna. nothing against you guys, but I just, from my experience, I find it so powerful when 
somebody that most people don't think is techie goes in front of staff and does something that blows people away. It resonates. And uh, and I they really often become the biggest champion of the work with the coach if, yeah. if that's yeah. where it started. And so we love it too. <laughs> yeah. I remember many, many years ago when we brought in the one-to-one -one in Prague, we sent the most reticent and anti-laptop people to visit five schools. And one was your school. Reina uh, was the American School of Warsaw, and then they went to London, and they went to Paris, and they came back, and they were converts, and it was like, okay, our job is done now, uh, because they, you know, they were skeptical, but then in their skepticism, they became positive, and that was a great narrative to leverage for the other people, so I just think uh, the way you're describing this is just so important. I'm just mindful of time. I'm wondering, you know, what is the most challenging? So Dan was talking earlier, you know, I'm a teacher and I'm thinking, I want to be a digital coach. I want to be an instructional coach. What are your biggest challenges? What are the things that repeatedly seem to come back, not haunt you, but you're like, okay, I'm going to have to climb this hill on this one. Is there certain things, is there a pattern or are there certain areas that you feel are just endemically challenging for your role? And I'll start with Jordan and go around. Jordan, I think, has frozen. Yeah. So, uh, Amy, can you start? Sure. I think um, a challenge is often mindset and the way things used to be. <laughs> um, and with technology and innovation, that can be really hard. As you just mentioned, like sometimes it, all it takes is showing a teacher what something could look like and it can change their mind. But um, I think changing systems and being part of that can be challenging if there's like a preset notion of what technology looks like or what coaching looks like um, in the past. So I think that the way things have always been this way or this is the way things have always been is is, is a challenging one, but one that I kind of enjoy too. <laughs> opportunities to grow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, th I can't agree with you more. Those opportunities to grow can be really uh, gratifying. Dave. Yeah, I think a couple of things I'm thinking about challenges within your current context. I think we've spoken about this already on the call, that idea of you're working in an environment. And th this can happen as schools are at different parts of their journey where you're maybe that um, vision else hasn't yet been clearly articulated or you're working to clearly articulate that vision. That's always a challenge because then you're you're um, you're looking you're, you're kind of you're developing that buy in yourself. Um, which is, of course, very different to a school that's in a different part of their journey, where it's a more embedded program. And then, of course, if you're if this is something that you're you're thinking of doing long term and you might be switching schools, then there, there's that idea again that you may be switching to a school that's at a different part of their journey. And inevitably, you will be building things up again. Um, and that's just the nature of the um, the world that we live in. But as Amy said, it's all, um, always very exciting, no matter what the context. Dan and I were talking about that, about IT directors going from school to school and then, you know, having to kind of the hamster wheel. Oh, here, another student information system that they don't like. Okay, now we need, you know, or we have to transition uh, from, say, Google or some other ecosystem. So, yeah, absolutely, Dave. I think that's a really good point. Raina? Yeah, I, I would say the constantly clarifying your role. Um, the what is it that you do? Uh, what is coaching? So that just getting really good at having a concise answer and and having amazing follow through with people is 
is the way through that. Thank you, Raina. Amy, I'm going to ask Jordan to jump in because we lost him. Jordan, I don't know. We were asking what is the, the kind of irritative challenge that you always face as a coach going from school to school? And then we'll come back to Amy. And I'm sure people touched on it. It's that defining where we can make the most impact. Like what is our coaching culture? How do coaches contribute to that? And what is the specific role of a coach in achieving um, your strategic focus areas, your mission and vision statements? Uh, because every school, while well, they have similar mission and visions, they're different. And so when I move as a coach, my primary job and everybody's primary job is whatever that school's mission statement is. So when I jump to a different school, I now have a different mission that I'm measuring my success as a coach against. And I think that is uh, quite challenging each time we move. Yeah, but it's great that you're using the mission as your point of reference. I think that's very powerful. I think not, not enough educators do that maybe is like really, here's this mission that's plastered all over. What does that mean in my role? What does it look like for me as I'm on the ground working with teachers? Thank you for sharing that, Jordan. That really is quite powerful. Amy. I was just thinking about a lot of people have asked me over the last years, like, hey, I'm thinking about coaching. Like, what, what do you find is the biggest challenge? What's the biggest shift when you're like changing your role? Like maybe teachers who are in the classroom or in another role and are thinking of shifting. And I always say my favorite part of coaching and pretty much one of the most challenging is that no two days are the same. Um, and just that the the cadence and the rhythm and the routine is so wildly unpredictable as as much as you want to plan and organize and prepare, it's being responsive as well. And so I think that I thrive off that and I enjoy that, but I think that it is really challenging because you could have a day where in the span of six hours time, you had five or six totally different conversations about different subject areas, different grade levels, different parts of the school, each probably with actionable items for you to go help prepare for the next conversation or the implementation. And keeping all of that organized and straight, I think, can be really challenging. I, I find it thrilling and inspiring. I think all of us at some level are tech coaches and in innovation because we like that, because we need lots of things keeping us going. But I do I do think that that's a big challenge for a lot of people moving from maybe a, a classroom teaching role into a coaching role. It's just that shift in what your time looks like and that it's not always yours, <laughs> um, that your time is rarely yours. Um, and so just like balancing that and, and learning to code switch and to um, pivot constantly throughout the day, um, intellectually and pedagogically. I think the code switching and the fact that it's not always your time are so important because that is emotionally quite challenging if you're giving, 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 giving all day and you have to be nice and you have to be courteous. There's just a lot of emotional, emotionally that you have to vest in and it's just not on a whim. It's like constantly because you're interacting with so many different players. Dan. Yeah, quick question. Great, great answers, everybody. What's what, uh, and for John as well. What what do people think the pathway is after coaching? Like, obviously, there's a you know, coaching is not you know, it sits in between a lot of areas as we discussed in the earlier discussion. Like, what what are you all aspiring to do afterwards? And and John as well. What have you seen coaches move into in terms of if they want to get involved in leadership at the school? Jordan, you want to start, and we'll go around. 
one of the fascinating parts and the best parts of working in schools and international schools is there are lots of roles we can find ourselves in to find that right fit. So while there might be pathways into leadership as we develop our adult and change management skills, this also might be the right fit, right? I, I really enjoy the space between a classroom and between decision makers being a facilitator of both. Um, and so for some people, that is the spot. Uh, other people I've seen go from coach back to the classroom, that that's the pathway next because they spent a long time facilitating adults and actually they want to facilitate student learning. And, and then you see the pathway towards curriculum directors and principals. But I think that's the beauty of working in education is there are these distinct and different jobs um, that we can find ourselves in and moving from school to school gives us the opportunity to try different roles and what they might look like. Thank you. Reina. Yeah, I'll just sort of echo, I've been asked that very recently, actually. Um, and I am quite happy to just grow, grow in this middle leader role as a coach. I, I have thought about uh, the pathways to maybe admin um, or back into the classroom, and I'm, I'm quite happy in growing where, where I currently am and making the biggest impact that I can have as a coach and sort of be an advocate for quality coaching programs and the investment in them. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, um, like my, um, what Raina just said, and also just to touch on what, what Jordan was mentioning, I feel like through the kind of somewhat ambiguous nature of, of the roles that, that we fill, that we've been talking about on this call, in many ways, I was reflecting with a colleague recently, I feel like somewhat unintentionally on my part, I've been kind of placing one foot in the future through doing these different coaching roles because it does set you up to take several different pathways and we inevitably develop this kind of broad range of experiences and, and skills. And we know this is what the future that we, well, at present anyway, we feel like we're developing um, for students and that idea of you know, um, thriving in ambiguity and being confident with uncertainty. And so, yeah, I just feel like um, it's it's a good place to be and to navigate all those different possibilities in the future. Thank you. Amy. Yeah, having just gone through recruiting a year ago, <laughs> uh, this was a big question on my mind. And, and honestly, I looked at all kinds of opportunities. I think as a coach, you're well positioned to lead in a school and that can mean a formal leadership role. I think as a coach, I'm personally really drawn to like director of innovation roles, director of professional learning roles and that kind of thing, um, but more so like a school-wide focus. And so I've just learned that as a coach, I think the, the more boxed in I feel, the less maybe empowered or excited I feel about the role um, and the more broad it can reach and the more like vision it can encompass, the more exciting it is. And so I think being a coach is a great place to be. And I, I don't necessarily, I mean, I, I was happy to move for another coaching role because I think it's a great opportunity to lead in a school um, and build your leadership in different ways. But I do think that many of us have the capacity and even the credentials and the experience to move into different leadership roles. And so it's helpful um, and inspiring and also nice that we're content where we are too. I think you're, all of you have a very good point is that the role of a coach allows you to be involved at the ground level in change management and understanding also being so close to the classroom, understanding kind of the, the pressure points and, and the pinch points and the successes. And I think that's so 
powerful of a platform if you decide to go into leadership, you bring those experiences, especially the change management. And Amy, before you were talking about this idea of multitasking and understanding your time is not your time, it's everybody else's. And having been a school leader, that's the one thing you quickly learn. There is no time for you. There's no me time. And I think all those different facets that you've highlighted, I think if that's something that resonates with people i think coaches are very well equipped to you know look at leadership because you bring such a multifaceted a uh, set of experiences and dispositions and i think really fit well for a school leader and uh, yeah i mean it, it's you're constantly dealing with change management i mean if that's anything that should be in brackets uh with your title is that you're always pushing some type of change however small it is and you do it with so much grace and empathy, I think that's what's so amazing. Dan, any closing questions? No, I guess on that question, John, any, have you got any thoughts as well? Because I I think I've seen some tech coach, specifically the tech coaches more on the tech side, moving to like tech director type positions. Is that is that something you've seen in terms of people you've, you've mentored a lot of people I know at schools? Yeah, I think, you know, I would say years ago, that was a, quid, a quite a normal, you were a tech facilitator, tech coordinator, and then IT director. That was yeah. a quite a common pathway, I would say 10, 15 years ago. I think it's changing now. Yeah. But I think also because in those days, there weren't really digital coaches or instructional coaches, or it was really at the beginning. So yeah. I, I, for me, I think, you know, when you think about leadership, you need to be able to be multifaceted, be empathetic, have resilience beyond uh, any imagination, and also understand change management. And any time you can show empathy and understanding for what it's like to be a classroom teacher and speak to that, I think that really sets you apart as a potential leader. So that was kind of my reflections on that. Great. So I want to thank all of you. Uh, it's just been such a wonderful conversation. And uh, I'm just really, I mean, hats off to you. You know, I've in it on and off been able, because of just my own lack of commitment or busyness, to be part of these sessions that you do. But if people are not familiar with it, you need to uh, consider the International Schools Coaching Collaborative. Uh, reach out in the show notes. Our guests have been very generous. You can follow them on social media. They have links and bio, but definitely reach out. And I know Jordan uh, with the team, Raina and Dave and Amy are doing some amazing work. And it's such a good, safe place for people to come and talk. I just really appreciate when I'm there listening, how people are kind and empathetic. And it's a safe place. It's a place where you can be honest and you know people are going to understand and be empathetic. And I think so often, often this role, you're maybe one or two in a school while there might be a 300 teachers or you might be the only one. And so having this community and, uh, you know, I, I need to give credit to Jordan because I know you've put a lot of work behind that. So hats off to you. And also bringing on these educators, Raina, Dave and Amy, that are doing amazing work in their respective schools. So thank you all very much for being here. And as you walk out, tell us one thing coaching is not. Jordan. Uh, coaching is not to fix things. Raina. Coaching is not IT support. Dave. Coaching is not for the faint-hearted. <laughs> Amy. I said it before, but I'll say it again. Coaching is not evaluative. Thank you. Dan, thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Safe travel. Great, great discussion.
Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thanks for having Thanks. us.